Bibles and turn with me to Job chapter number one. Job chapter number one. It has been good to be in the Lord's house today. I'm glad I get to go to a place that I can, I can kind of get a, get a refuge from the world, kind of get away from the pressures of life. We can step into this building and it's a sanctuary. It's a hiding place. Uh, you say, well, does that mean our problems are gone? No, no, they're still out there, uh, but they can't touch us in here. And, and we can come in here and, and get juiced up and get what we need to face it out there. Amen. Job chapter number one, I, I, I want to I kind of share with you what we're doing. We've been going through the Bible. If you're here for the very first time, we've just started in Genesis and we, we've been going through the Bible, taking the different sections of the Bible and preaching them individually. Uh, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is the, the Pentateuch or the law. It's the book of Moses. We covered that and how that applies to our life. Then we went into the historical books. Uh, the historical books from Joshua all the way to Esther. And we broke those up into, into different messages because it was so long. Uh, but that is the historical books, the history of the tribe of Judah, the history of the nation of Israel and how that applies to our life. Now, today, we're going to talk about the poetical books, the poetical books. We, fee, we see here in Job, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to discuss Job through Song of Solomon. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Now, I don't go into great, great detail of each one, or we just wouldn't have time. We barely have time for these, but uh, we're going to take out bits and pieces, give you a little synopsis of the, of the book, and then take something from it that can help us live our daily life. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Let me read this as way of introduction, and then we'll read our word. The 17 books we've already covered are historical these five poetical books are experiential. The 17 historical books are concerned with a nation. Now, as such, these five po poetical books are concerned with individuals. The 17 have to do with the Hebrew race. These five have to do with the human heart. In other words, it gets real personal. It goes and it's dealing with an individual person on an individual basis, and it deals with the human heart. These books portray real human experience and grapple with profound problems and express big realities as they concern themselves with the experiences of the godly. So keeping that in mind, let's read Job chapter number one in verse number six. From verses one through five, we find that we are, we are discussing a man who is right with God. A man who is righteous, a man who is holy, a man who does church so good, he goes to church for other people. In other words, he came and offered sacrifices for himself, and he said it just in case my children have acted ignorant, I'm going to give some sacrifices for them too, amen? Uh, if that was the case in my life, I'd be at church every day, amen? Job was a righteous, holy man. God. He was right with God. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was one of God's favorites. Now watch this in verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Now to understand the very next verse, you need to understand who Satan is. According to the word of God, he's a liar. According to the word of God, he's a thief. 
and he is a killer. The Bible says the thief cometh to kill and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And one of the main, one of the main titles that is given to the devil is that he's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser. In other words, he walks around in my life and your life, and he tries to find things against you that he can accuse you before God. He'll go to God and say, did you see what she did? Did you, you see what, what he did? Did you hear what they said? He's constantly accusing the brethren. If that makes sense, say amen. Now watch what happens. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now, did you catch what happened? He's the accuser of the brethren, but God had to bring up Job. In other words, he lived a life so righteous that Satan couldn't find anything against him, so God brought his name up. He said, you're up here accusing everybody and everything. Why didn't you say anything about Job? What do you think of old Job? He said, well, I tell you what. Watch what he says. He said, then Satan answered, the Lord said, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. In other words, the devil saying, the only reason Job is bowing down to you, the only reason Job is worshiping you is because you bless him. And if you didn't bless him, he wouldn't worship you. In other words, you got to pay to get him to worship you. Then the Bible says this in verse 12, and the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself, put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Please help me. Please help me to deliver your word as you have written it. God, help me to help those that are here. God, I pray that your will be done. Help me to preach in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> here, is, here is the synopsis of the book of Job. I, I encourage you to go read it. Most of you probably already have. Job is a story of a man who is right with God, a man who is holy, a man who is righteous, a man who is walking in the fear of the Lord. And behind the scenes, that is very important for you to get this, behind the scenes, when Job is doing his thing, Job is living his life, Job don't even know what's going on behind the scenes. He doesn't know what's going on with Satan and God. And Satan and God are having a conversation. And God is being, listen, he is being challenged. His glory is being challenged. Who he is is being challenged. He said the only reason that people worship you is because you bless them and you put a hedge about them. The only reason that Job is doing what he's doing is because you're basically paying him to do it. If you'll take away from him what he has, he'll curse you to your face. And God said, okay, have at it. Do whatever you want to do, but don't take his life. And y'all know the story. In one day, 
In one day, Job, who was one of the richest men in the East, Job, who had a large family, had 10 children, Job, who was walking with God and walking righteously, in one day, all of his children die and lose their life. In one day, all of his finances are taken away. All of his, listen, everything that he has, he goes from being one of the richest to being the very poorest with nothing but, nothing but an ash heap to sit in. In one day, he lost all everything. And we see Job standing forth, probably with tears dripping off his face, probably in anguish and pain. And this is what Job said. He said, naked came I into this world and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. In his sorrow, he praised God. In his horror, in his brokenness, he gave God glory. And I bet God said, what do you think now? And the devil said, well, I tell you what, I tell you what, you got me there, but, but uh, I, I tell you what, if you'll touch his body, skin for skin, anybody will curse for his own life, to save his own life, skin for skin. And this is what God said. He said, okay, okay, you go ahead. You touch his body, but don't you take his life. You have no permission over his life. And y'all know what happened? The devil, he, he, listen, he smote Job from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet with sore boils. Listen, a boil, if you've ever had one, you know it's, it's something that causes excruciating pain. It's a sore that you just cannot deal with. And the Bible says he was from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. It didn't matter if he was standing. It didn't matter if he was sitting. It didn't matter if he was laying down. He was in excruciating pain and he was suffering to the point that his wife just came to him him and said, Job, just curse God and die. I can't take this anymore. Job, just die. Just get out of the misery that you're in. Before you get all wigged out about his wife and what she said, Job did say, woman, you speak as a foolish woman speak. But before you get angry at her, you need to understand she lost all her kids too. And here she is sitting, watching her husband suffer, watching her husband being in excruciating pain, and, and she just can't take it anymore. And boy, she's going through it, and he's going through it. They're all going through it. And Job uses these words. That Job uses these words, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. In Job's mind and in Job's heart and in Job's perception, he thought God was literally killing him. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now, here's what I want you to take from this. The Christian life is not always going to be about lollipops and chocolate cake. It's not always going to be about camp meeting. It's not always going to be about all in the glory. And it's not always going to be about the great times and the fun times and the happy times. And, and listen, it's not always going to be mountaintop experiences. When they had the mountaintop experience and they saw the glory of God in the transfiguration, they come right down off of that mountain in the valley and saw a demonic boy. I'm telling you that the Christian life, it's, it's about greatness. It is. It's about glory. It's about wonderful things and the blessings of God. But I'm telling you, it's about pain and suffering too. And a lot of us had this idea because of false teachers and false preachers getting on TV and saying, if you just have faith, you'll never have problems. You'll just smile all the time and you have a great time. And if you are going through problems, you're not living right. If you are having issues, you don't have enough faith. Well, that's hogwash. The Bible says Job was a man perfect and upright in every way. If there was anybody in the Bible who was living right, it was Job. But now he's in hell and earth. 
He's going through difficulty and suffering to the point he said, I don't know why this is happening to me. And to make matters worse, as he's sitting there grieving over what he's lost and in pain and difficulty, he's got a bunch of friends that's coming accusing him of having sin in his life. Baptist. I've been around them all my life. That's how they act. Amen. What'd you do? What'd you do? Surely God's mad at you for something. What'd you do in your life? Kind of like them disciples when they come to the blind guy. Lord, did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, neither one. So now he's got to put up with these guys. And there's times in this book that you read, he'll say, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm, I'm being everything I know to be. And I, I don't know my life is right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I say, preacher, what in the world can we take out of this? Something big. Something big that God showed me that I think we all need to get this big, big. Number one, this is the application sentences. Number one, it's not always about what we can see. Your pain, your suffering, your problems, it's not always about what you can see. Let me illustrate. All Job could see was the gravestones of his babies. All Job could see was the ash heap of what used to be his. All Job could see was running putrid sores all over his body. But see... This is what he could see, but it was behind the scenes. It was behind the scenes with God and Satan. Satan challenging the glory of God. Satan challenging the greatness and the grace of God. You see, Job don't have no clue what's going on behind the scenes. He said, preacher, what does that mean to me? Your pain may not be about you at all. Job had done nothing to deserve what was going through this. But see, this wasn't about Job. This was about the glory of God. Now, I know this is going to be a little bit deeper water than we normally tread on Sunday, but you need to get this because this may change your life. You see, we're so messed up in America, in the American church, because we've made everything about us. I come to church so you can bless me. I come to church so you can help me live a more comfortable life. I come to church so you can make, it, make my life better and help me to feel better about myself. And it lets me, it's all about me. And that is the biggest lie out of hell. Life is not all about you and me. We have become the center of our own universe. And we wonder why we wig out and we flip out when things come our way. The problem that you're dealing with may not even be about you. It may be a God in heaven who is, hey, let me, let me ask you this. How much glory do you think God got when in the midst of all of his suffering that he stands up with tears dripping down his face and says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What do you think it meant when he said, I know my Redeemer liveth and he shall stand at the latter day on this earth and though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. You see, it was about God's glory. And it was behind the scenes. 
It was what he didn't even know. See, you may be going through a tragedy, and it may not be about you. It may be for the glory of God. But if you live your life all about you, then when something bad does happen, where's God? What's going on? I'm paying my tithes. I'm going to church. I'm doing, why is this happening to me? Why me? Me and Brother Buchanan was sitting in my office. We were talking about some thoughts and ideas about this book. And he said, yes, so many times we say, why me? When God is saying, why not you? You see, it wasn't the devil that brought up Job's name. It was God. The problem with some of us, God can't bring up our name. He said, no, 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 don't even, don't, no, not him. No, don't even. What if we're living a life that God could suggest we go through the trial? Now think about this. This is going to sound crazy. But what if God thought enough of you to put you through hell? Now think about that. What if God thought so much of you that he could trust you to bring glory to him even when you don't understand what's happening to you? You see, your, fa- your, your problems and your pain, it may not be about what you can see. Now, many of us, many of us, because of the foolish decisions we make in our life, most of our pain is because of the stupid things we do. Amen. But I'm talking to that one that's trying his best to live right. I'm talking to that one who's doing everything he can to be what God wants him to be, and it seems like everything in the world is falling apart. Well, hey, it may not be about you. God may need a co-worker of yours to see you go through difficulty and not complain and whine about it. God may, God may need a family member of yours to see you go through a tragedy and you stand up and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. You see, your pain may not be about you at all. You see, my pain is not always about what I can see. Number two, preacher, that might be so, but how am I going to deal with it? This this is one thing I've seen in this book. Number two, uh, my perseverance, my perseverance is going to be determined by my knowledge of him. If we're going to persevere, You see, God doesn't always take the storm away. He doesn't always remove the mountain. He doesn't always remove the adversity. He doesn't always remove the obstacle. Sometimes he wants to to get us to persevere, not quit. We're quitting everything. Quitting jobs. The the, the employer looks at his cross-eyed. Well, I'm going to quit then. Our our wife burns the biscuits. Well, I'm quitting. I'm going to go get another one. That's happening. We're quitting over the littlest things. You know why? We have no concept of what it means to persevere. Persevere. Well, how do I persevere? You got to know some things. How was Job able to go through such a difficult and painful situation? Because in that verse, he said, 
I know. I don't care what's happening to me. I don't even know why it's happening, but I know my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Maybe you need to know him a little better. Get to know him. And all God's people said. Number two, number two, that's, that's Job. Job is about pain and perseverance. Number two, Psalms, that's about prayer and praise. Prayer, and I'm going to go faster. I just, I always get hung up in Job because I think that's where a lot of us are. Prayer and praise, prayer and praise. All through the Psalms, you'll see prayer and praise. One of, one of, the, one of the Psalms that just it means a lot to me is when David says, help Lord, God, there's been times in my life I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. All I could say was, help, help, Lord. You see, there was times David was running from Saul. David was an outcast. David was running for his life. He was an outlaw hiding in caves, and, and, and he was in the anointing. He had the anointing oil on his head, yet he was going around like a fugitive and an outlaw. And there was times that he would cry out unto God and say, help, Lord, help. Oh, the verse that says, oh, that I had wings as a dove and I would fly away and be at rest. I told him in the early service, that's the old version of Calgon, take me away, amen. How many of y'all needed to pray that every now and then? Just get me out of here. I just want to escape. Just help me, Lord. And man, all through the Psalms, you find prayer after prayer after prayer. Prayer for help. Prayer for blessings. Prayer for, uh, and not only that, but prayer of repentance. You'll see in Psalms 51, David getting right with God. And he's calling out unto God and crying unto God and said, Oh, God, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Purge me with a hyssop. Wash me white as snow. And there was a difference between David and Saul. There was a difference between David and the other kings that they were wicked. He made big mistakes and big failures. But the son, there was something about him. He knew how to get right with God. And if you ever need to get right with God, memorize Psalm 51. It's a prayer and a request to God. But then you see praises all through the Psalms. Praise him with uh, the voice. Praise him with the instruments. Praise him with the cymbals. Praise him with the string. I mean praise him, praise him, praise him because he's good. Praise him because he's God. Praise him with your mouth. Praise him in the dance. Praise him and give him glory. Give him credit for who he is. Praise him for his mercy endureth forever. And the last verse of the whole book says this, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I don't care if you're saved or lost. I don't care if you're churched or unchurched. I don't care if you're a heathen or a holy person, whether you're in church or out of church, if you woke up this morning and you breathed air into your lungs, you have an obligation and responsibility to offer him praise for your life. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Now they go together. They go together. You got to get this. This is so important. Even the Old Testament, excuse me, even the New Testament teaches us that you shouldn't pray without praising and you shouldn't praise without praying. Watch what it says in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Translated, don't worry about nothing. You know that old song? Don't worry. Be happy. That's what that means. Don't worry about anything. How's that working for y'all? 
How many of y'all have seen this ISIS garbage on TV? How many of y'all, be honest, you're in church, you'll get, you'll get heartburn after church if you lie right now. How many of y'all worried a little bit about that? Worried about what we need to do. The economy's acting crazy in the job situation. Hey, it's easy to, 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 to be careful, to be anxious is what that means. But watch what it says. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that's, two, that's, that's the, meaning the same thing, your request, with what? With, let your request be made known unto God. So he says, when you come requesting, that's prayer, then you need to come praising. Prayer and praise go together. Prayer and praise go together. You see, you see, prayer, if you're writing notes down, prayer is acknowledging. In other words, when you pray, you're saying, I need you. When, I, when my, 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 my truck tears up, I'll go see Dorgan. And, and, and I'll go to him and I'll pray. And I'll say, I need you. You know what I'm saying? I can't do this. I can't fix this. I don't have the ability. I don't have the intellect. I don't have the tools. I don't have the resources to get the job done. Help me. And you know what that, that is all prayer is? Is you coming to God and saying, help me. God, I can't fix my marriage. Help me. God, I can't fix this relationship. Help me. God, I can't fix this problem. Help me. God, I can't fix my finances. Help me. God, I can't fix my kids. Help me. God, I can't change my grandchildren. Help me. Help me. Help me. It's acknowledging that he can and we can't. You may tell you the problem in America, it's not in the White House, it's not in the State House. Listen, it's in the church house. It says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land. In other words, I will get involved in this situation. I guarantee you this, you can get a bigger gun all you want to, but it's not a bigger gun we need, it's a bigger God. And we need to pray. And see, the opposite of that whole thing is, is when you don't pray, you're telling God, I don't need you. I got this. But Psalms is all about prayer. I need you. I need you in my life. But it's all about praise. Praise. You see, prayer is acknowledging. Praise is appreciating in our life groups, in our life groups, we do two things. We have a time of prayer requests and we have a time of praises. And the praises is first. And they, and they can't be generic neither because we don't, no, that don't fly. I, I just want to praise God I'm saved. Yeah, we're glad you're saved. God knows you're saved. Pick something else. That's too generic. No, no, no. What are you truly thankful for? What are you truly giving God praise and honor for? Hey, man, I praise God that God is watching over Becca down in the Dominican. Amen. Let me tell you something. That comes to my heart. She sent me a picture of a tarantula. Have you all seen one of them things? That is a souped-up spider. You understand? That thing's like this big around. She sent me a picture. She said, Daddy, these things are everywhere. And the crazy thing sent me another picture with bug bites all over her legs. I thought she done got into a tarantula nest. 
I said, don't send me pictures of bug bites right after you send me a picture of tarantula. What's wrong with you, crazy? I don't even have a passport. Are you serious? Act like a mama. Hey, man, what's... Glad her mama ain't in here. Hey, man. But we praise him. Thank God he got me through the surgery. Thank God I was in a wreck this week and I could have died, but God kept me saying, are y'all, y'all getting what I'm saying? I mean, real legitimate praises. And at the end of the group, we have real prayer requests. Not God bless me. No, 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 no. God, I need you to move in this bill this week because I ain't got it. And if you don't move on it, something bad going to happen. Let me tell you what next week's praises end up being. This week's prayer request. Let me tell you why some of y'all ain't getting your prayers answered. You're not bringing praise with it. You go to God and it's gimme, 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 gimme. But that ain't the way Jesus said to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us to sing. They didn't say teach us to preach. They didn't say teach us how to do church. They said, please teach us to pray because they saw him pray and they knew he could. They would see him get up before daylight every day and go to the Father and pray. They said, teach us to pray. And this is what Jesus said. If you're going to pray, you're going to pray right. You're going to do it like you're supposed to do it. This is how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before you ask for daily bread, before you ask for pardon of your sin, before you ask for protection and guidance, before you ask for anything, you come to him and you praise him and you exalt him and you honor him and you bless him. Before you ask anything, you better show appreciation for what he's already done. You know why? Because if if you pray, you need God in on your situation. And in order to get God in on your situation, you need to praise because God loves to be bragged about and God loves to be praised. The Bible says God inhabited the praises of his people. There was a time that he told the nation of Israel, don't send the army, don't send the special recruits, hey, don't send the military, send out the choir, put Jalen in the front row, tell him strike up the band, let's get it tuned, and God sent ambushments and destroyed the enemy by song and praise. Is the enemy coming against you? Maybe you just need to kick back, throw your head back, and start praising God and honoring him for what he's already done and put the enemy on the run. Say amen. Praise. You get to feeling gloomy? You get to feeling down and discouraged and depressed? That old song, I know it's an old hymn, and y'all, y'all like that, that new stuff, but you know what that old song says? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Are y'all with me? How many know that song? Count your blessings. See what God has done. I was going to sing, but I ain't going to. Amen. I want to keep y'all in the bit. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless him. Amen. Praise. Ain't nothing like honesty in the house of the Lord. Amen. What was number one? Number one, we find, we find Job. It's about. Pain and perseverance. Come on, y'all got to get this. It's about. Then Psalms is about prayer and praise. And then I want you to see Proverbs. It's about principles and precepts. Principles and precepts. The way we live our life. We need wisdom. We need guidance. 
Two things I want you to write down. I got to go quick. Good night. I've been, I get hunkered down in that because it gets good to me. Amen. Uh, two things, knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom. Proverbs helps us attain knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the acquiring of information. And, 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 and we need knowledge. We don't need to be ignorant fools. Are y'all with me? We need to know some stuff. The Bible says that the, uh, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And you need to know the Bible. You need to know the scriptures. You need to know truth. And you need to know sound doctrine. But listen, it's not just about knowledge. It's about wisdom. Wisdom, here's the definition of wisdom, the right use of knowledge. You see, there's people all over the world that's got tons of knowledge, but they're dumb as a brick. They got more degrees than a thermometer and ain't got enough sense to crawl out of the rain. There's people that's got more degrees and they've got more information and more knowledge stuffed in their head, but they still claim that there is no God. They still claim that there is no heaven. There is no hell. Uh, the Bible says they are a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Are y'all with me? And the problem is they may have a ton of knowledge, but they don't have no wisdom whatsoever. You say, why do they not have wisdom? Because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, wisdom doesn't come from a college. Wisdom doesn't come from a professor. Wisdom doesn't come from a textbook this thick. Wisdom comes from the presence of God. And we need Proverbs for principles and precepts. Then, then Ecclesiastes, write this down. Ecclesiastes is for purpose and priorities. You see, God allowed a king. God allowed a king to have it all. God allowed a king to have it all. See, if you put this in order, it really should go Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Because see, Song of Solomon is about a love story. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. It's about a love story. It's the young Solomon in love. Then, listen, Proverbs is the middle-aged Solomon, the one who has wisdom, the one who, who has a, a little sense, and he has given out that wisdom. But then Ecclesiastes, it's the old Solomon. It's the older man who has been pulled away from God because of all the women in his life. You see, he was, making, he was making alliances with all these foreign kings and these foreign cities, and he was marrying the princesses from all these places to make alliances with their fathers. It was all political. And because of his relationship with these foreign women, they were pulling them away from the one true God to the idols and the idolatry of their homelands, and he was slowly drifting away from God. And you see, Ecclesiastes is... is is really this time period in Solomon's life when he was away from God. He was backslidden, if you will, when he wrote these words. And you see, the book of Solomon is all about his journey and his search for fulfillment, his search for joy, his search for happiness. And you'll hear this phrase, under the sun, which means here on earth, without God. In other words, in his old age, Solomon said, I don't need you. I can find it down here. I've got wisdom. I've got money. I've got power. You see, no man on earth had ever had what Solomon had. No man on earth had ever had the wisdom that he had. No man on earth had ever had the power that he had. No man on earth had ever had the money that he had. God allowed one human being to have everything this world could offer. And Solomon said, I went after it. 
If there was to buy it, I bought it. If there was to do, I did it. If there was to see, I saw it. I did not withhold anything from my eyes. I did it all. And he said one word, vanity. When I seen everything there was to see, when I did everything there was to do, when I had everything this world had to offer, it left me empty. You see, your purpose in life is not to have it all, is not to gain more possessions because that's not going to fulfill you. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that during the 60s, free sex, free drugs, free rock and roll, let's just everybody live, love the one you're with. If you're not with the one you love, let's just do whatever. Let's just be free, no inhibitions whatsoever. Just do whatever you want to do. And they were living that life. And the number one song during that time was, I can't get no... This is a sad day when all three services knew the answer to that question right there. All I want to know is how'd y'all know the answer to that? Amen. I can't get no satisfaction. I read behind that, that song and I read behind and, and the writer of that song said, this is my life. This is my life. And you see, the devil has given such a lie to people saying, oh, you can find joy in possessions. You can find joy in people. You can find joy in all this stuff. And you won't find it without God. Amen. That's, why, that's why you can be in a mansion on a hilltop, drive a Lamborghini, live in, 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 and have every servant there was to have and have everything you want and be miserable and be on drugs and commit suicide. And you can live in a grass hut in Zimbabwe somewhere and be happy as a fat baby in a phone booth having the time of your life. Because it's not in money. It's not in possessions. It's not in things. It's in Jesus. Here's the application points. And I'm, and I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I promise you. I went a little long. There's five books, y'all. Amen. Number one, if you're writing this down, fulfillment. True fulfillment and satisfaction can only be found beyond this earth. It's not going to be found in what we can buy or see here. It's going to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our sole purpose in Ecclesiastes, our sole purpose in life is to obey and honor God. In the very last two verses, to sum up his journey, to sum up his experiment, this is what Solomon said. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. In other words, God's going to check it all out. And God's going to reveal it to us all. The best thing we could do in life is to honor and obey him. And all God's people say it. Ecclesiastes is about purpose. Purpose. What I say? Priorities? Purpose and priorities. Lastly, and, and I'm done. Uh, Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. This is, it's been called Song of Songs. You see, the Holy of Holies, is, it was the holiest place. Then you find the King of Kings. It was the, the greatest of all kings. Well, according to Solomon, this song, he, he, he wrote hundreds and hundreds of songs. But according to Solomon, this was the best out of all of them. And this was a love story. This was romantic. Say amen. I'm talking about juicy. Amen. It was, it was so amorous in its writing that the old Jewish people wouldn't allow the young people and the immature to read it. Say amen. 
Listen, lady, you don't need all this garbage the world has. You don't need no, listen, there's enough romance in this one book to last you to Jesus comes. Are y'all with me? This story is awesome. It is the story of a king and a Shulamite woman who fall in love. And, there, and, and it's the glories and the pleasures of marriage and love. And, and it is a great story, but this, there's, there's a twist to it. There's a twist and an intriguing point of this. Because most love stories is about the groom and the man pursuing the woman or the bride and, and how that all works that way. But it's different in this story. Because most of the words and writings and, and, and the voice comes from the Shulamite woman who is pursuing her bridegroom, pursuing the king. And oh, the Lord whispered to my soul and said, this is the same way it is. I am the bridegroom and you are the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And we need to spend our entire life pursuing the presence of our bridegroom, pursuing his glory, pursuing his wonder, pursuing his presence. The Bible said in his presence is fullness of joy. Somebody say amen. amen. Song of Solomon is all about passion and pursuit. Let me tell you why we have dead worship. There's no passion. The reason that people come in here and they look like a knot on a log and they won't sing and they won't shout and they won't worship and they won't glorify him, it's because they haven't been chasing the bridegroom all week. I'm done. I'm done. But I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. Psalms 42. Psalms 42.1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63, 8. My soul followeth hard. That means to chase, to chase. My soul chaseth after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to him, and he will draw nigh to you. You see, number one, God, he in Christ, he desires an intimate relationship with you. David said it this way, one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Have you chased him lately? Have you chased his presence? Have you chased his anointing? Have you chased his glory? Have you chased his face? Have you been too busy asking for his hand that you didn't spend time looking for his face? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek mine. You know what he's saying by that? I want people that want me, not just what I can do for them. Do you love him for what he can do for you or do you love him for who he is? It's a great step of maturity in the Christian life when you start loving him just because of who he is, not what he can do for you. I know that's a little deeper word than we want to tread on Sunday, but I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Amen. That's enough. Let's all stand. Let's go over this. Let's go over this so you'll remember it. Let's go over this so you remember it. Job, give me the two words. Job is about, say it with me. Then we have Psalms is about, everybody. Proverbs, say it again. Ecclesiastes, say it again. Song of Solomon, Passion and Pursuit. I honestly wished I had time just to take one book at a time. 
Maybe we'll do that after we're through with all this. I don't know. But I do know this. God is not a God of the world as much as he's a God of you. See, what you mean? Yeah, he's a God of the world, but he's a personal God too. And these five books deal with the personal lives of every believer. Their problems, their issues, their passions, their pursuits. It's all about him wanting a closer walk with you. And all God's people say it. Let's sing a verse of invitation. If you need to come for any reason, we've got people at this